If you've been a part of the MyBridge family for uh, more than five years, you may remember the summer we did the Kindness Challenge based on Shanti Feldhahn's book. Well, Shanti wonders if, especially with all that we've gone through as a nation the past four years, it might be time to revisit how negative thoughts and words can do damage to relationships. Shanti is a prolific author and social researcher who happens to be working on her PhD. Shanti, welcome back to the conversation. Great to be with you guys. So we wanted to talk today about uh, so a series of articles that you wrote on nixing the negative in relationships. thought that was so good. First of all, what, what led you to write it? So here's the thing about what I try to do in the blog that is sort of relevant to that. It, essentially, I really want to equip people with like practical bite-sized stuff, right? And with the kind of stuff that's like, oh... I didn't know that. And it's one little thing, one little practical thing that you can then go and apply immediately, you know, in your next conversation with someone or whatever. And one of the most important pieces of that puzzle is opening our eyes to the stuff that we don't get. And there are very few things that I've studied over 20 years at all the research I've done that we don't get as much as how often we are negative and unkind and say things in a way that's actually hurtful to somebody without ever realizing it. And so that's the reason I wanted to do this um, blog series is like, okay, there are there's way more than we could put into one blog series. It's what I did for the research for the book, The Kindness Challenge. And, you know, we have chapters on this. But in terms of some of those points, everybody's like, oh, man, <laughs> I didn't realize it. That's what we wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, obviously, several years ago, when you first wrote the, the Kindness Challenge, we actually not only talked to yes, you about it, did. but we did a major focus on it, encouraged the whole yep. Mybridgerative family to take part in it. And actually, it's one thing that I feel like it would be super healthy if people did that every single year, that they just had their kind of kindness challenge month of the year. Absolutely. Well, I mean, truly part of the issue is, as I as I mentioned, that we all think we are kind. We value that. Like it's something that's really important to I'm sure 100% of the people listening. And it was certainly important to me. And it wasn't until I did the 30 day kindness challenge, just like you guys did, that I went, oh, man, <laughs> I had no idea how often I'm being unkind. And so, yes, I I totally agree. I have had to do it every year, <laughs> and I really encourage everybody to do that. Shante, in that uh, series of blog articles, you, you talked about suspicion. How would you define suspicion? And why did you choose that word? We think suspicion means, where were you last night? And sure, sometimes that is what it means. Mm -hmm. But we don't realize, actually, the bigger picture of suspicion. It's actually kind of believing the worst about someone's intentions towards you. And one of the most common causes for heartache in marriage, but it's also in friendship and family relationships and workplace stuff and with your kids, you know, why am I reacting in this way to the fact that they said something and I just jump to the believing the worst and it, it happens so much more than we realize. Let's give a couple of examples so that everybody can go, oh, right. Like uh, this is something that happened to me so often um, because Jeff is an attorney and, you know, if he is on a big client job or whatever, we do a lot of the research together and the writing together, but he also still does legal work. And there would be times when it would be like, you have been working 
you know, 60, 70 hour weeks and we've missed all these things with the kids and don't you care about me? Like, why are you, you know, can't you just tell them no? Like, you know, basically sort of why can't you whatever, fill in the blank, right? And I don't realize that what I am thinking, like if I translate that, you know, why don't, can't you just tell them no? That translates to, he doesn't care about me. And, you know, one of the things that Jeff was finally able to put into words was, do you think I want to be working this much? <laughs> I'm doing it because I care about us and the family and I'm, you know, trying to provide and, and whatever. And that's an example of so much that we think in our heads translates to this person doesn't care about me. And sometimes, unfortunately, that is accurate. There's a small percentage of people that are just, they just don't care. Um, but that is a tiny percentage statistically. Most of the time they do. And so we really have to sort of think about what's a more generous explanation. Shanti, as we're talking about this whole dynamic of suspicion and that, that we, if we're not careful, can, we can foster in our relationships. Again, it's not a word that probably most of us think about. Definitely don't think of it in terms of us towards other people uh, very often, but why is it important? Like, like, what's the importance of recognizing the suspicion that's in our lives and making sure that we're aware of it and that we're addressing it? Well, here's the main big picture reason is that there is a uh, neuroscience principle um, that's actually really, really crucial, which is that what you focus on is what you will see, right? Like it's the way that our brains are wired. It's the way God has wired our brains, right? It's just, it truly is one of those areas that in this case, if we are allowing ourselves to believe the worst rather than the best, especially of our spouse, we're going to see that more. Like our brains are kind of go, going to go in that direction. And we're going to say, oh, and you know, not only is he working 60 hours a week, but now he wants to spend the holidays with his family instead mm -hmm. of my family. Like it, now, you know, he really doesn't care about engaging with the family or whatever, right? Like we're going to, as opposed to, oh, of course he wants to spend Christmas with the family. His brother's been sick. Right. Right. Like, you know, it, it is we're going to put the worst explanation on it, even if we would never think that that's what we're doing. But what you focus on is what you'll see. And so it becomes at that point. Now I'm suspicious of his family. Mm. And now I'm like getting irritated when he wants to spend an hour on the phone call on the phone talking to his brother about his brother's surgery or whatever, as opposed to kind of going, of course, he wants to do that. And how can I support that? And it, it, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because we're going to see the next thing and the next thing, and we're going to miss mm. all of the good, all of the stuff that, you know, whatever is lovely and excellent and worthy of praise, right? That's there too. Here's why I'm so excited uh, about talking about this. I'm already experiencing it in my life, which I want to say thank you for the fruit of it. Because I think about that scripture, I think it's in Romans where it talks about where Paul says, I didn't know that it was only through the law that I learned about coveting. And once I learned about it, I recognized it in all these places, right? I did. I would not have seen coveting in me if I hadn't been, if the law hadn't shined the light of that truth 
in my heart. And so that's what you're doing for us today. Like as we think about our relationships, seriously, like the light of the truth of this concept of suspicion is exposing, like my mind's going to all these places and times, even currently, where I'm fostering maybe a level of suspicion in my heart towards someone. It's a powerful thing to, to think about. I will tell you, when we were doing the research for the 30-Day Kindness Challenge, you know, when we were doing that whole project, mm-hmm. I will confess, this is embarrassing, but I, I will confess this, that, you know, one of the, the elements that we had people do every day for 30 days was to not say anything negative, right? Which is sort of what this blog is a little bit, this blog series is referring to. And I was thinking to myself, oh, these other things I'm going to have to work on, you know, but I'm not negative. Like, that's not something I'm going to, that's not an issue for me. Like I said, this is embarrassing to a bit, but... (laughs) And then I actually, we actually did the study and we we actually identified these different patterns of negativity, like the blog series covered three of them, but there are actually seven. And one of the patterns of negativity nailed me. Hmm. Because it's exasperation. And I would get exasperated with my kids all the time. Like, oh my gosh, we spent like hours on that science project, buddy. And then you didn't turn it in. Like what? You know, my voice is rising and I don't realize that basically what I'm saying to my sweet kid is you're an idiot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like I would never say that, but that's kind of what I'm saying. Right. And so then I go, oh my goodness, like I really do have a negative pattern here. I do have an unkind pattern. And oh my word, I am seeing it everywhere. Like it's what it's what you just said, right? Once you see your pattern or patterns in some of our cases, <laughs> you're like, oh my gosh, it's not just my kids that I get exasperated with. I get exasperated with the slow clerk at the grocery store. Hmm. I get exasperated with the colleague, you know, when she didn't call me back quickly enough. It's like, this is a thing. This is a thing. <laughs> So, Shanti, let's let's get to the solution side for a moment here, specifically in terms of the suspicion. Yeah. So the most important thing to practice, if you kind of reverse engineer it, if what you focus on is what you'll see, you have to train yourself to see a more generous explanation. Sometimes that's not going to be the case, right? Like there have been cases where I was working with, you know, a colleague on something And I'm like, I think they're trying to leave me out of this. But in most cases, especially when it comes to something like your marriage, um, but usually in, in most other cases as well, if you actually look for a more generous explanation, you'll actually find it. Like I used an example that was a real life example. Um, I didn't, I don't think I said this in the blog series, but there was one occasion where in a different situation, uh, uh, there was a pretty important um, meeting and there were like 15 or 20 emails on a string inviting people to this pretty important meeting. And I didn't find out about it until like the day before, or maybe even a few hours before, I can't remember. And I thought, they're trying to leave me out. And then I went, <laughs> no, wait, that is highly unlikely. What's another explanation? And so I actually reached out to the person and they were going through all of this like family stuff and just incredibly busy and literally just skipped my name. And I would have ruined this really actually important ministry relationship by assuming something that was negative. And so it's kind of that as the starting point is, okay, I have to confront and I have to look for a more generous explanation. In marriage, it's also essential 
it's actually the only, when we did, this was a completely different research study, when we did our study for um, the secrets of the happiest marriages, right? Like, what is it that the happiest marriages are doing differently? Even than people in great marriages, but like, maybe not at the very, very top. One of the factors that was basically a prerequisite for having a happy marriage was willingness to believe the best of your spouse's intentions towards you. It is one of the things that we actually say pretty, there's maybe a couple exceptions to this, but I can't think of any, where it is impossible to have a thriving, abundant marriage without that. Because it's always going to be this little germ that gets in the way as opposed to, no, they're not perfect, just like I'm not perfect. And we're going to hurt each other's feelings. Like, you know, one of the comments in the Happy Marriages study that I thought was hilarious was this one guy who's like, even the most amazing, awesome, godly, thoughtful Christian husband or wife can be a jerk sometimes. <laughs> and yet we we have to actually believe that they care, like that they really too truly have the best intentions towards us. In marriage, in everything else, it's important for our relationship, for our thriving, for our ability to have good relationships with our colleagues or our kids or whatever. Everywhere else, it's it's like important. I think in marriage, it's a prerequisite. Let's talk about one more negative dynamic that you talk about in this blog series, uh, Shante. You talk about grumbling and complaining. Tease that out a little bit and, and share with us maybe the antidote for that one as well. How often might you think, I told him not to use that recipe for the whatever meal. Like I told him that that, that, that would be, you know, the turkey would be dry. How many times do we do that? That's what that is. Mm. We don't realize it. As opposed to going, yeah, okay, maybe the recipe didn't turn out the way we wanted, but look at all this food Mm. that we have on the table. How many people around the world would be so astonished at this amount and abundance of food? Like, thank you. You know, it's interesting. One of the things, you know, you mentioned the PhD program that I'm in, and You know, I'd avoided for years tackling my PhD, tackling a PhD, I'll be honest. Just to be candid, I had my professional degree, you know, my master's degree. I had worked on Wall Street and I, you know, had had developed this method of doing applied research, Mm -hmm. um, which is something that you can apply tomorrow, like, you know, practical. And to me, the academic world was like, ivory tower, you know, like not practical. It is interesting. Once God pushed me into doing this, it was like, you need to do this. One of the things that I saw that applies to what we're talking about here is statistically, the studies that have been done on this epidemic of mental health issues that we're facing today, you know, from adults to teens to kids, where there's this massive spike in, for example, anxiety. A lot of it can be tied to this. And we don't realize it, but we have, if you want to, you know, kind of use the counselor speak or the PhD speak, we have, you know, negative rumination, which is that I can't believe whatever and your brain goes, you know, down a path um, or whatever. It is so related to whether or not we will switch where our brain automatically wants to go. And all of us can. That's the thing that's so encouraging about this. We found that in our research for the kindness challenge. There's been tons of academic research that have found the same thing. All of us can switch that. It's just we 
we have to confront at the beginning that we need to switch it because most of us don't see the need. We don't realize we do it. I want to talk a little bit about sarcasm because it's another negative that you talk about in relationships. And that one can be so actually culturally affirmed, right? Because it's like, oh, we're just kind of poking fun. And it's, and we think of it as a healthy thing all the time, really, even though probably most of us have gotten zinged a time or two or three or five by somebody being sarcastic and it hit a little close to home. But, but yeah, talk about the whole sarcasm negative aspect. Really, it is sort of affirmed as you go more the direction of what you're affirmed. I One of the most common speaking formats that I do is when actually well, a, a pastor will uh, bring me in and interview me on stage as the sermon time. And they always say, take us through what are these negative you know, things that we don't realize, these unkind things. And when I mention sarcasm, I've had multiple pastors who are like, ah. But sarcasm is my spiritual gift. And because that's the way we think about it. And here's what we found in the research. Everybody kind of knows is true once they hear it. It's that it can be just funny. If everybody in the room, the person you're being sarcastic with and everybody else listening, if they know that you have 100% goodwill towards this other person, you unconditionally love them or you unconditionally respect them. If everybody in the room knows that, then it's just funny. But here's the problem is that actually sometimes it actually tips over. We've been sarcastic enough that it actually casts that goodwill into doubt. And so the other person is like going, ha ha ha, you know, on the outside, they're laughing. And on the inside, they're going, did she mean that? Mm -hmm. Did did he mean that? Like, there's a little bit of truth to every joke. Is that how she feels about me? It undermines how they feel that you feel about them. And so they start to build a wall, actually. And so they start to sort of say, I have to protect myself a little bit. And suddenly, you've created a problem that you would never have intended or wanted to create. And so that's the reason why for the 30 day kindness challenge, we're like, okay, this is just 30 days. Like you, you don't have to do this forever. But pick this person that you're going to do this for. And, and if sarcasm is your type of negativity, just just don't be sarcastic at all mm. towards them for those 30 days and watch a how hard it is and b you'll actually see oh my gosh i'm actually seeing that there was a wall i didn't notice that before we're coming up on a new year boy what a great opportunity to maybe do some evaluating of relationships is there a step or two application point or two that you would recommend as people to consider as they go into a new year i'm going to do a commercial for the 30 day kindness challenge here just because we've seen empirically this has a massive impact. It really is a matter of doing something purposeful. Essentially, it's sort of a boot camp for yourself of, okay, how can I become a person that builds someone up instead of tearing them down? How can I be a person of kindness instead of unintentional and unrecognized unkindness? You pick a person that you interact with fairly regularly. Like I did this for our 16-year-old daughter at the time. I really wanted a better relationship before she went off to college. But you could do this for your spouse or colleagues or whatever. And so what you do for that person for 30 days, you do the same three things every day. The first is you actually do what we're talking about here. You don't say anything negative about them. The second thing you do is you find something to praise and you tell them and you tell somebody else. And then third, you do a small action of generosity or kindness for them. For my daughter, when she would come running in my to my office and I'm working on a deadline, she's like, mom, watch this little TikTok video with me. And I'm like, 
in an hour, honey, an act of generosity is turning my attention to her when she's excited about it, not an hour later. And it's just five minutes, but it says you're valuable. If you do those three things every day for 30 days, we found that 89% of relationships improve. It isn't just that you're changing the temperature of the relationship, which you are for sure. The biggest thing that you're doing is changing you. And you know how we talked about like your mindset? That's what's changing. And so that is going to come out in how we treat eventually everybody. The other thing that actually is a really helpful tool is to take the assessment before you start. (laughs) Because there's actually at jointhekindnesschallenge.com that says, like, what is your sort of starting point in kindness towards this person? Because again, all of us think we're starting at this great place. And then you take the assessment and it's like, oh, dear. I hadn't I hadn't really come to terms with the fact that I'm really not as kind as I think I am. So then you actually know what to work on during the 30 days. Well, Shanti, <laughs> I'm not sure this is what I wanted to hear today, but I'm real sure it's what I needed to hear. And I love what you're saying about revisiting your kindness challenge on a regular basis. What a great idea. Thanks for helping us think through today how we can nix the negativity. Thank you. Appreciate what you do.